0: Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Wednesday morning wake up call on Sports Country Radio. October the 4th, 2023. A uh, beautiful. Well, I guess it's a beautiful autumn day here in uh North Carolina in the mountains and uh a little chill in the air as uh we love. We still haven't had any rain in a while, but uh gotta love it. The uh, the leaves are starting to turn down here, so uh uh love it. Love it. I know that up in the northeast are talking about temperatures uh well above normal here for the next few days, so uh but uh things are normal down here. Uh and uh let's get to uh Uh, Some things going on around the world before we get to our sports. uh, By the way, if you uh, have a cell phone uh, or you're watching television uh, at 220 this afternoon, your cell phone's going to uh, go off and they're going to be testing uh, the emergency alert system uh, here in the United States. It's something that's actually required to be done Every uh, few years. So they're going to do that today. It's uh, not only will you get a text message, uh, there'll be an alert uh, tone on your phone. It's probably like we you ever get those Amber alerts now scares the ever living crap out of me because it's like um, the phone vibrates. And even if I have the sound down low on my phone, it seems like it blasts it on on high And there's a couple of times those have gone off, like, in the middle of the night. just scares the crap out of me. Uh, But anyway, that's going to happen at 2.20 this afternoon. And, of course, (laughs) being – what – you know, it it really amazes me how stupid a lot of people have become in this country. Or maybe it's just more prevalent. Maybe people have always been as dumb as they are now. It's just more noticeable because of – uh, social media, and anybody who's got a keyboard can uh, show the world how stupid you are. <laughs> there was somebody, uh, actually not just somebody, there was, but there were a number of people uh, telling everyone to, to make sure your phones are off at 220 today because the government's going to use the 5G network to send out this test message, but what it's really going to do is activate the Marburg virus for anybody that had the COVID vaccine. So you're all going to get sick and die. Somebody actually believes this. I mean, are you kidding me? You know... (laughs) Uh, and you know and other people are you know a lot of people are laughing about it people that have you know two brain cells to rub together uh are like you know just like come on really you know and but there are other people that that have said oh no no it's true my this happened to my this happened to my grandfather it happened to my uncle come on we can't be that stupid can we So anyway, 220 today, uh, and if you're a conspiracy theorist, turn off your phone. (laughs) Because the government's going to try to give you the Marburg virus. I mean, Jesus, Lord Almighty. Um, And, you know, and, and to go right along with that, it is amazing to me. You know, there are people that think our democracy here in the United States is in trouble and that, that uh, we are on our way to uh, to our way of life and our government completely blowing up. And, you know, the optimist in me wants to say, well, no, that can't be true. Everything's going to be fine. I mean, we still have one of the best countries in the world, and our, our, uh, our political system is the envy of a lot of people because we do things, you know, peaceful transitions of power, by and large, up until Trump. But we've reached a new low for the first time in the history of our country. A speaker of the house was removed by his party. Think about that for a moment in all the years and all the problems that this country has had and the wars that we have fought and all the scandals that we have had. Never have we had a speaker of the house removed until yesterday. When Kevin McCarthy uh, was essentially bounced by eight or ten members of his own party, the far right wing nut jobs of his party. Although I was, I was, I was surprised to find out that Marjorie Taylor Greene and uh, Lauren Boebert were not part of the group that voted to get him out. Um, but Matt Gaetz, the uh, absolute scumbag from Florida. Is uh, was, was led this, and uh, the Democrats could have bailed Kevin McCarthy out, but in order for that to happen, Kevin McCarthy was going to have to make some concessions and give the Democrats some things that they wanted, and they would have supported him. And uh, he might still be in office. But the Democrats did not uh, feel like... Bailing him out because Kevin McCarthy didn't want to compromise too much. He had already compromised to get the government spending bill passed to keep the temporary bill to keep the government in business. And that's what infuriated Matt Gates. is, you know, we, uh, uh, you know, broke, he broke our, broke a promise. You know, but we've come to the point in our, in our government now where we have removed the Speaker of the House. Uh, We we uh, we're it's like every president that comes in now for the next however long we're going to try to impeach him for something. Uh, It's just it's dysfunction of at the highest order. And I just don't I'm worried because the people like me and I would think the people like a, a lot of my listeners are middle of the road people you know and the far right and the far left are getting far too much attention and those of us all here in the middle are screwed you know it's like the, it's like we're the adults in the room and the children are the ones running our lives that's what it's become we have a bunch of junior high school ch- kids running our lives and running our government and if that continues i worry what's going to happen. So what happens now? Who knows? I mean, hell, it took, what, 15 votes to get McCarthy in back in January? Um, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, and, and it means, by the way, until they do this, nothing gets done in our government. So that 45-day spending bill that they passed to keep the government going, every day we don't have a Speaker of the House, another day ticks off of that because there is no opportunity to get anything done. Uh, The guy that they've uh, appointed as a temporary uh, speaker is from my state. Patrick McHenry is now the uh, the acting speaker. However, here's what he can't do. He can't bring legislation to the floor or take it off. He doesn't have the power to do anything. All he really has the chance, the power to do is bang that gavel and find us a new Speaker of the House. So if if they if if they he can't bring legislation to the floor, nothing's getting done. So we are in a standstill, and you know there's no clear uh, idea of who they're going to go with. I mean, hell, there was ideas floated that uh, we could have a Speaker of the House. Last I remember, there was a talk that we could have a Speaker of the House that was actually from the minority party. Now, barely minority party. I mean, the, the Republicans don't have a huge uh, advantage in the House to begin with, but they do have a, a small majority. But there was some talk that it was so bad that there were Republicans that were actually willing to go out and, and support a Democrat just to get a Speaker of the House. I don't know that that's going to happen, but it could. That would be interesting. But we are – it's just – stuff that's happening is stuff I thought could never happen, so – uh hopefully you know the uh the adults will get the kids calmed down and we can get back to the business of running the government speaking of kids uh donald trump <laughs> had a gag order placed on him yesterday uh by the judge in his fraud trial in new york state um because he went on his uh, his own social media platform and uh, attacked a couple of uh, or one specific woman who is a member of the, uh, the court and who works for the judge that is uh, uh, hearing his fraud trial. And the judge basically said yesterday, you know, that he is not going to uh, tolerate uh, personal attacks on members of the court. He said they're not acceptable and they're not appropriate. And he's and and you know he basically said that look, uh, keep it up, and you, you could spend thirty days in jail. Oh God, how great would that be? It's not going to happen. But I mean, you know, but at some point, you see, and this is this is this is what's so maddening about this is that Donald Trump runs around like a, a madman all over the country, saying these completely outrageous things acting like a little kid, and he there's no nothing to stop him. But you get him in a, a courtroom, and they can stop him in a hurry. And putting his ass in jail will stop that in a hurry. You know, it's like, uh, you know, it's like, you know, you sending your kid, uh, you know, to their room for a timeout. Maybe he needs to go to a little room for a timeout. So it'll be interesting to see if he can keep his mouth shut. But at the end of the day, uh, this is pretty serious for Donald Trump, you know, and he's being accused of uh, uh, committing fraud because uh, all these financial statements that he uh, filled out over the course of a number of years about the value of his properties, et cetera, et cetera, were greatly exaggerated. You know, and his lawyers are trying to argue, well, they, they are worth that because he's involved. You know, Donald Trump means things are worth more. You know, it doesn't matter what the market would bear. It's more because Donald Trump owns it. It's worth more. And so they they use these inflated funds and they gave that to banks. And that's what he used to uh, to, to, to borrow money, et cetera, et cetera. Look, this is a guy that supposedly this great businessman who has gone bankrupt a couple of times. Right. Uh, great. Great businessmen don't go bankrupt. Maybe they do once and they figure it out. You don't do it more. You'll go bankrupt more than once. But this he's he's a great businessman. Okay. Enough of that stuff from Washington. But yeah, uh two twenty. Uh watch out because you're gonna you're gonna if you've been vaccinated, you could get a virus when that thing goes off this afternoon. Oh Lord. All right, let's get to uh sports because that's at least uh somewhat sane. Let's start out with the uh the playoff game yesterday in Tampa. Uh the Texas Rangers who finished the season uh, uh dreadfully and allowed the Houston Astros to overtake them on the last game of the season to win the division title. So instead of being a number two seed and having a week off, uh, the Texas Rangers have to play in this wild card series as a number five seed at Tampa. And all three games in this best two out of three series are in Tampa. They are at the home of the higher seed, which is the way it should be in a wildcard thing. So, uh You know, Texas, you know, considering the way they ended the season, everybody figured that they were in big, big trouble. Well, they go down yesterday, and Jordan Montgomery uh, quieted things very quickly. Jordan Montgomery, who, by the way, for you Yankee fans, you must love this. He used to be a member of your team, but (laughs) the Yankees decided he wasn't good enough, and they traded him off to St. Louis, and then St. Louis sent him to Texas at the trade deadline, and Jordan Montgomery yesterday, seven shutout innings, struck out five, didn't walk anybody, made a great defensive play on a pop-up on the infield. Uh, great play. And this is a guy, by the way, his last four starts, 2-0 with an 0.67 ERA. So in seven innings, he faced 27 batters yesterday and uh, allowed six hits. And uh, Araldis Chapman with a scoreless eighth. Uh, LeClerc with a scoreless ninth. And Texas wins it 4-0. Tyler Glass now uh, had control problems yesterday. Walked five guys over five innings. Gave up six hits. Eleven base runners in five innings is not going to win you a lot of games. Um, and, you know, look, the Tampa Bay bullpen was good. They, four you know, four shutout innings. But uh, uh, Tampa could not solve the uh, to Jordan Montgomery and the rest of the Rangers pitching staff. Uh, and you know, think about you know, and again, uh, uh, Montgomery, Yankee shifting away. Rollers Chapman couldn't get anybody out in New York, right? And uh, here he is uh, in Texas and in the World Series. It's just, I, you gotta love it. You gotta love it. Um, here is the thing. Yesterday, the Tampa home stadium which is an absolute joke. 19,000 people. They couldn't even sell out a playoff game. You know, and and I know I've talked about this on this show before, but this is an absolute embarrassment. This is a team that, you know, is is in the playoffs damn near every year. Winning between 95 and 100 games. And you can't even sell out a playoff game. You know, never mind the n- number of regular season games they have where they have 10,000 people in the seats, if they're lucky. They can't even sell out a playoff game. And yet, they, uh, the, the, the St. Petersburg is willing to shell out all kinds of money. And Major League Baseball is going to let them stay there when they can't sell out a playoff game, that that should be—I mean—that's just embarrassing. Seventy-six percent of capacity is what they called it. Uh, uh, look, I—I um, I don't even know what to say at this point, but I—I I just don't—I don't—I don't get it. Other than showing that that city. Is not a baseball city and probably shouldn't have a team. Look, the Tampa Bay Lightning, a hockey team, draws more fans than the Rays. Now, maybe, maybe not if you be maybe maybe not if you look at it in, in totality because uh, eighty-one home games for for the Rays you know a 41 home games or 40 home games for the lightning but when you watch a hockey game in Tampa that place is packed and it is rocking i i understand that you know they're they're <laughs> you know they don't play in a rink that that seats 25,000 people like uh Tropicana Field does They pack the place, and the atmosphere is electric. Even when they have butts in the seats at Tampa, there isn't that kind of excitement. It's so bad in Tampa that their public address system has to pump in all kinds of artificial crowd noise, constant music, or sound effects, just to try to make it sound like people care. And you know, look, I have nothing there's nothing I can do about it and and obviously Rob Manfred's not in the mood to do anything about it, but the fact that they are uh they continue to have crowds like that is absolutely embarrassing. To to um You know what I mean? I, it's just—it's embarrassing to baseball. It's embarrassing to the state. I, I don't even know. You know, look, uh, the Miami Marlins don't draw that well either. But look at this, for instance, last night in Philadelphia. Now, Philadelphia is a is a is a sports crazy town, and they have some of the most rabid fans. Anywhere, we can argue whether they're some of the worst fans. But having said that, last night for a playoff game in Philadelphia, they drew 107% of capacity, meaning it was standing room only. They had forty, almost 46,000 people in a place that seats 43. Right? Uh, In Milwaukee last night, they had 98% of capacity. Minnesota Twins, you know, capacity. Place was full. Tampa 76% and for them, I mean, hell for them, that's like it's Christmas. Cuz they just don't sell out. They don't even come close. So, look, I'm sorry if you're, you know, you know, and I have I have people that listen to this show that live down there. But if, if that city can't support a team that is as good as the Rays have been and fill that place, what are we doing? You rem- I remember, look, uh, you know, the Hartford Whalers in the NHL, Gary Bettman, the commissioner, convinced the owner of the Whalers to move that team to Carolina because he didn't want them in Hartford because they didn't sell out. It was close. I mean, I think the Whalers usually played to about 85%, 90% capacity, but they didn't sell out. And, of course, you had two teams in New York, and you have a team in Boston, and then the team in Hartford in the middle, and Gary Bettman wanted another team in the South. And because Hartford didn't sell out, that was his impetus to be able to, to make the argument – that that team should move to North Carolina. And you know, here we are with a team that wins. I can under I can understand a team. Look, if 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 Tampa won 60 or 70 games a season, maybe even 80 games if they were a 500 team, I could understand, you know, having Regular crowds at the trop, I think you know they probably average fifteen thousand people a game this year, and that might be generous. I'd have to I'll have to look that up. But if that's the best that you can do seventy six percent of capacity with a team that is as good as that team is, that's embarrassing and and I don't know how. Major League Baseball just justifies it. I mean, I, I you know, I, I just I don't. I just it it was crazy. It was crazy, and and that was one of the. And I know maybe maybe I obsess about this too much, but it's one of the first things I noticed when I turned the game on. I was like, holy crap, the crowd sucks. I was just trying to look up to see uh, what Tampa average for a crowd this year. They said the average attendance this year was 17,781. Let's put that in perspective, shall we? That is the fourth lowest attendance in the major leagues for average crowd. Fourth lowest. The only teams that were worse were Kansas City, Miami, and Oakland. And, again, I mentioned Miami. They don't draw well. Miami's another team. They're in the playoffs. Exciting young team. They averaged 14,000 this year. So they averaged between the two teams in Florida, they averaged. If you add if you add them together, they averaged 32,000 people. Ladies and gentlemen, if you look at the uh, attendance in Major League Baseball this year, there are 13 teams that average more than that by themselves for each game, and these two teams had to get that, had to combine their crowds to get that. Think about that. The San Diego Padres, who who didn't even have a 500 record this year, averaged 40,000 people a game. They drew 3.3 million. I understand their stadium's a little bit bigger, but my point is, there 40,000 people a game. And look, Tampa only seats about 26. So, But if you sell it out, you're close to the middle of the pack in attendance, not in the bottom four. That's insane. The Detroit Tigers, who stink, average more than Tampa. The Pittsburgh Pirates, who stink worse, average more than Tampa. The White Sox, Cleveland, all the, the Washington Nationals, all these teams that were worse than Tampa by a long shot. Right? Average more than the Rays. The Washington Nationals averaged twenty three thousand people this year. Uh, you know, it's just nuts. The Cincinnati Reds averaged twenty five thousand people this year. They didn't make the playoffs, so the the Reds averaged what uh, the Trop holds. So I, I don't, I don't get it, and and I, you know, they just continue to uh, to embarrass themselves and Major League Baseball because you just can't have a, it's just not a good look for a league when you have a playoff game and the and the and the stands aren't full. Can you imagine uh, watching an NFL game for a playoff game and not have it full? Unless it was a damn like a, a blizzard or a monsoon, and even then, I think in the NFL they'd sell it out or have a, an NBA game where the place isn't full uh, or an NBA playoff game where the place isn't full or or, or hockey. I, I don't. I can't even envision that. But ladies and gentlemen, Tampa, Florida. 30 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the wake-up call on Sports Country. 32 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a Wednesday morning. Uh, by the way, Texas can close out that series today. Um, Nate Evaldi. Will take the mound for the Rangers. Uh, game is at three oh eight this afternoon. Um, Zach Eflin, who led the American League in victories this year, he was sixteen and eight. Will take the mound for the Rays. Um, look, the Rays have uh, had a little trouble in recent years uh, winning in the playoffs, right? I mean, they've uh, they've struggled a little bit. Um, that's the sixth straight. Postseason game dating back to Game Two of the 2021 uh, ALDS that the Rays have lost. So uh, Rangers could uh, send them home, or uh, well, they're home, or could send them to the golf course uh, if they're able to win that game this afternoon. But you know, six straight games losing in the playoffs—that's horrible. Well, just imagine if you were a fan of the Minnesota Twins because the Minnesota Twins had lost eight straight postseason games until last night. they break that streak last night as they beat the Toronto Blue Jays um, in Minnesota the final was a three to one in that one um, the last win for the twins in the playoffs was October 5th 2004. That is the last time they had won a playoff game. That is the longest postseason streak like that in North American professional sports. Uh, And it was their first win at home in the playoffs since game one of the ALCS all the way back in 2002 when they were playing in the Metrodome. And the hero of last night's game, Royce Lewis, hit two home runs in his game last night. The last time that the Twins won a game in Minnesota in the playoffs, Royce Lewis was three years old. (laughs) Uh, But a great job last night. Uh, Pablo Lopez went the first five and two-thirds, only gave up a run and a couple of hits. Uh, Got himself in a little bit of trouble in the sixth inning. They got him out of there. Varlin gets out of trouble. And then Theobar, Jackson, Durant finish it off. And uh, the Twins win 3-1. to one. Kevin Gausman uh, just didn't seem himself last night. Very fidgety on the mound. Couldn't find his control. Uh, gave up two home runs to Lewis amongst his three hits that he allowed. He walked three guys, only lasted four innings. Great job by the, the Toronto bullpen after that. But uh, they dug themselves a hole. And uh, uh, But the Twins pitching staff was just too good last night. Uh, and, and look, the Blue Jays have struggled in the, in the postseason as well. Uh, they haven't won a postseason games in 2016. So there's all kinds of people that are trying to break streaks. Uh, that series will continue today. Jose Barrios can send the twins, um, uh, uh, to the division series. If he can win, he was 11 and 12 during the regular, or, or excuse me, Sonny Gray was, uh, eight and eight, but he had a two, seven, nine ERA. So he could send the twins to, uh, uh to the championship series you have to forgive my uh my forgetfulness jose barrios will pitch for the jays but he used to be with the minnesota twins so you just forgive the old man but uh barrios was 11 and 12 during the regular season 365 era he will try to keep the blue jays hopes alive by the way uh royce lewis uh became the third player in major league baseball history to hit home runs in each of his first two uh postseason played appearances he did it uh in his first two at bats in that game yesterday. And you know, the other the other uh uh guy that had done that was uh I think it was, wasn't it Evan Longoria, I think was the other guy who had done that. And he did it for the Rays all the way back in uh, two thousand eight. And Gary Gaetti had done it for the twins in nineteen eighty seven. Um but uh Evan Longoria is still playing and uh, he was he factored large in one of the playoff games yesterday. But uh anyway, so the uh uh, not a good day for the American League East. the Blue Jays go down and the Tampa Bay Rays go down uh as i said thirty eight thousand four hundred and fifty people one hundred percent attendance in Minnesota. By the way, all the playoff games yesterday, with the exception of one, none of the three of the four games, the longest game was two hours and forty six minutes. What a breath of fresh air for the playoffs. I, you know, hopefully this is a sign that no longer are we going to have to worry about, you know, World Series games taking four hours, you know, and having to stay up until 1, one thirty in the morning to see the end of the damn game. Um, the one game that did take a long time yesterday was the Diamondbacks-Brewers game. That one took uh, 3.36. Even then, that's probably about average for the old Playoff games, but that game was had so much stuff going on, and it's understandable why it went long. But uh, this game, two hours and forty minutes last night, as the uh, the Twins beat the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, and then there are the Philadelphia Phillies, Philadelphia Phillies, who their uh, their kind of their slogan going into this is unfinished business, and of course, you know, uh, finished uh, instead of the F in finished, they have the PH. Uh, to, but uh, they win yesterday. They beat the Miami Marlins four to one. Zach Wheeler was great. Zach Wheeler six and two thirds innings, struck out eight, didn't walk anybody, only gave up one run, threw a hundred pitches. Um, but perhaps the hero of that game was Jose Alvarado. Uh, look, Wheeler had a shutout going into the seventh inning and he gave up back-to-back singles. And then Jose Alvarado came on uh, to face Yuli Gurriel, who's a pinch hitter. Uh, They had a 3-1 lead at the time and uh, got him, struck him out, and then retired two more guys in the eighth inning before they brought in Jeff Hoffman, and then Craig Kimbrell finishes it up. But Alvarado does a great job in in a big spot there. But uh, Wheeler was just great. He threw 46 pitches through the first four innings. Hell, in Boston this year, we saw guys throw forty six pitches in an inning, in a, maybe an inning in two thirds. It was crazy. Uh, Reese Hoskins threw out the first pitch for Philly last night. Hoskins is a guy that you know the slugging first baseman had to have knee surgery, um, and uh, is going to be a free agent at the end of this year. He's playing on a one year contract, although he didn't play. He's thirty years old, and you wonder if he'll be back or not. But he is. Uh, he's actually going to Florida. And he is going to uh, start facing live pitching. And he said he would love if the Phillies can make it to the World Series to be able to play for the Phillies in the World Series. I don't know that they would put him in just because he's sat on the shelf all season. And I don't know that they're making the World Series anyway uh, because they've got the Atlanta Braves standing in their way. So I don't know know that that's going to happen. But uh, it's a good dream. Um, but nobody thought the Phillies were going to get where they were last year, so I wouldn't count them out either. Uh, uh, so they went 4-1, to one, uh, but uh, they didn't hit any home runs last night. Didn't need them. Uh, good job by Nick Castellanos, a big double late in the game. Got another insurance run in as he drove in uh, uh, Bryce Harper, and uh, the Phillies win that one 4-1. Uh, to one. It'll be uh, Braxton Garrett today for the Marlins, or I should say tonight. Uh, nine and seven with a three six six ERA during the regular season, and uh, the guy that used to be the ace of this team, I, the ace of this Phillies rotation now is Zach Wheeler. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but Aaron Nola is a pretty good number two. Twelve wins in the regular season, ERA a little high, four point six. Uh, Nola was two and two in last year's postseason for the Phillies, so he's got plenty of experience. Uh, that's the one thing that the Phillies have going for them with the Marlins, and you I, you can't discount that. You know, there are a lot of guys on this team with playoff experience. The Marlins have damn few of them. Um. So uh, So it'll be uh, Garrett against Nola today, and uh, the Phillies hoping to be able to move on. Um. And the last game yesterday, the one that took the longest, the three-hour and 36-minute game, uh, I thought the Arizona Diamondbacks were in trouble. Again, this is another team, the Diamondbacks, that kind of backed their way into the playoffs. They finished awful. I think they lost their last four or five games of the regular season, but they still clinched. And uh, they got in a 3 0 hole yesterday real quickly. Uh, they had to look. The Diamondbacks were in a bit of trouble because they used their two best pitchers at the end of the regular season because they were trying to to actually uh, win their way into the playoffs. So Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly, their two best starters, were. Uh, If they had tried to pitch in this game against Milwaukee, they would have been working on very short rest. They decided instead uh, to throw out uh, Brandon Fott, and uh, he didn't do too well. Two and two-thirds innings, seven hits, three runs, and uh, threw a lot of pitches in those two and two-thirds innings. But then the bullpen does an absolutely stellar job for Arizona, the rest of the way, six and a third shutout innings. They gave up just five hits, and uh, the bats came alive. Uh, Corbin Carroll with a home run. I love this kid. Uh, he had he had a home run as one of his two hits. He walked a couple of times. The guy is an absolute terror on the base pass. Um, Tommy Pham scored a big run. Tommy Pham was playing with turf toe. He was he was great down the stretch. For this Arizona team, Uh, look, this team is just loaded. But uh, the big blow in this one, Arizona was clinging to a 4-3 lead, and then Christian Walker with a two-run double off the wall in the ninth inning. He had three hits in this game, and uh, Arizona opened up that big lead, and they ended up winning it 6-3. Paul Sewald, who came over uh, in a trade uh, at the deadline this year, picked up the save with a scoreless ninth inning. Uh, today, it'll be Zach Gallen, that guy who won 17 games in the regular season, uh, 3.47 ERA, and Freddie Peralta will try to keep uh, the homestanding Milwaukee Brewers in it. Uh, he is 12-10 and 10 with a 3.86. Look, the thing that really hurts this Milwaukee team is no Brandon Woodruff. You know, the guy who is really their best pitcher uh, has a shoulder problem, and even if they manage to get past this series, uh, Craig Council, their manager, said, you know, we're not even sure that if we got to the World Series, he'd be available to pitch. And, you know, Milwaukee's – look, Milwaukee can hit the ball. And they've got, you know, some guys that – that uh, uh, like Willie Adamas. Uh, Josh Donaldson, by the way, has been great since coming over to Milwaukee. Couldn't hit a lick uh for the Yankees. But since coming over there, he's been good. He had a couple of hits yesterday. As a matter of fact, Christian Yelich has had a, a uh kind of a renaissance season and with Contreras' as catcher look they've got Carlos Santana. They can hit the ball. But they really need Brennan Woodruff to anchor that rotation and it doesn't look like even if they survive they're going to have him. So uh uh it's a bit of a shame. But I and I mentioned earlier Evan Longaria uh, the guy who had uh, home runs in his first two at-bats in the postseason all the way back in 2008, he had a couple of huge defensive plays yesterday, uh, including one um, in the sixth inning. Milwaukee loaded the bases with nobody out. And then a ball appeared to uh, to have hit one of the uh, uh, Milwaukee players. I think it was Tarang. And then on replay, they realized, nah, hitting the grass in front of him didn't actually hit his foot. So that got overturned. So they eventually struck Terang out. And then the next guy comes up, and uh, he just smoked one at Longoria and then threw from his knees to double Adamus off his second base. And so from the bases loaded, nobody out, and a possible hit batter that would have had the tying run in uh, Milwaukee ends up not scoring in that inning, and Evan Longoria, uh, a huge reason for that. It is 46 minutes past the hour. We're going to take one more break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the wake up call on Sports Country. It is 48 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake up call here on a Wednesday morning. Um, Manny Machado had elbow surgery yesterday, um, struggled this year for the. Uh, uh, San Diego Padres, they expect him to be ready sometime during spring training. The recovery time for this elbow surgery is four to six months. Um, so if all goes well, uh, he'll be back sometime at the end of March and hopefully can get a little a few games in before the start of the regular season. Uh, other surgery news yesterday, Matthew Judon had surgery or is going to have surgery, I believe, today. Um, the Patriot linebacker tore the lower bicep tendon uh, in the game against the Dallas Cowboys. He is going to be out. Um, well, they don't know. <laughs> it's an indefinite kind of thing. Uh, you know, there is hope that he will be able to get back. But, look, this is a guy that is very important to that Patriot defense. He led the team in sacks, tackles for a loss, quarterback hits, um through the first four games of the season for a team that's already struggling but their defense is other than the game against Dallas their defense has been pretty good although you can't really blame them either because a couple of touchdowns were uh, directly a result of uh, misplays by by Mac Jones but uh that is going to really hurt. Uh so Keon White is probably going to get more time the rookie defensive end uh, Anthony Jennings is probably going to have to play a little bit more, but th- they are both a big step down, uh, from how good Matthew Judon has been. Look, uh, this is the, uh, he hadn't missed a game in his first two seasons and, uh, been in the Pro Bowl the last two years. Just, uh, this one really hurts. And the, uh, the injury to Christian Gonzalez hurts too. He ended up uh, with a dislocated shoulder and th- there's, they, they may put him on the, uh, uh, the injured reserve left. I'm not quite sure that. What they're going to do as far as that goes, but look, uh, they've already got three corners on injured reserve. Uh, Marcus Jones, Jack Jones, and Isaiah Bolden are all on injured reserve. Uh, Jonathan Jones hasn't played since the opener. I mean, they don't—they don't have a lot left. You know, they may have to. You know, Miles Bryant, Sean Wade, going to have to play a little bit more. Uh, I guess Jalen Mills, but Patriots really thin now suddenly uh, on defense, and that's not a good sign when, you're, uh, when your quarterback is struggling and that entire offense is struggling the way it is for the New England Patriots. Uh, so uh, you know, hopefully uh, Gonzalez and Judon are back uh, before the end of the season. I think by the time they get back, though, it's not really going to matter. You know, at one and three, uh, the Patriots aren't making the playoffs. As I said, I I still think they win six games this year. They've got to play the Saints this week. Somehow, by the way, the Patriots are a favorite this week uh, at New Orleans. I don't see it. I think New Orleans beats them. I hope I'm wrong. You know, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to uh, you know uh, bury the Patriots completely, but I have seen nothing this season to give me hope. I really haven't. Other than the play of, you know, Christian Gonzalez has been a nice surprise. Zeke Elliott um, has been a little bit better than I thought he would be. But Mac Jones has been worse. Juju Schuster has been a train wreck. Uh, you know, uh, Ramondre Stevenson is not running the ball as well as I expected him to. So I just haven't seen a lot to give me hope. So uh, it would not shock me at all if the Patriots uh, lose this week. Uh, we'll, have, Of course, we'll have Dan Zampano on, on Friday to talk about all that stuff and Uh, he had the Patriots a little bit higher on his uh, uh, I got on his case last week about his strength ratings I got on his case about uh, the Patriots being a little bit too high well his new ones came out uh, the other day I think yesterday and the Patriots dropped 11 points as they should have so uh, anyway um, the other story that I I paid attention to this morning and, and it's something I've given a lot of thought to since the season ended and that's look where do the Red Sox go now that the season's over. They're going to have a new president of baseball operations. They haven't started interviewing for that yet. Um, I still think one thing they have said is that Alex Cora uh, is probably going to have a little bit uh, more say in who comes in this time. Of course, if you remember when Heim Bloom came in, they weren't sure who the Red Sox manager was going to be, and Heim Bloom uh was in the process was part of the process that rehired Alex Cora but Alex Cora I think was thrown on him I think the ownership told him hey Alex Cora is coming back so figure it out and Alex Cora and Heim Bloom never really worked together I think Heim Bloom wasn't interested in what Alex Cora had to say about hey this is what my team needs Heim Bloom was looking down the road about rebuilding the farm system and looking at the scrap heap and see who might be uh uh good projects Alex Cora was like, hey, what can help my team this year and next year? And that wasn't, you know, so they didn't really jive there. So that's going to be number one. And they, But they've already said that what they're hoping for this time is more of a partnership between their manager and the front office. So that tells me that Alex Cora is going to have uh, a say in who is in there, which might mean that. The Red Sox are going to either hire an internal candidate or maybe somebody who's been there before. Now Mike Hazen who used to be with the Red Sox and is now with Arizona has already been ruled out. Um so I I you know and Theo Epstein ain't coming back in there. So I don't know uh what that looks like, but you do wonder if maybe somebody like if they might hand the keys over to a guy like you know, Eddie Romero uh, who has uh, been with the Red Sox organization for a while. Um, we'll see. You know, I'll be very curious to see, but it does sound like Alex Cora is going to have more of a say. But then then you have to start thinking, okay, what are the Red Sox going to do as far as guys that, you know, who are they going to bring back? Well, look, uh, Adam Duvall is a free agent now. I don't believe they're going to bring him back. You know, and Pete Abraham in his story this morning said, well, you know, Duval's going to want to sign with a team with better playoff hopes. I don't even think that has anything to do with this. I think that Adam Duvall was really good for the Red Sox, and you know, the injury aside, I think he was great. But now, I think with all these young players, especially the young outfielders that this team has, Adam Duvall doesn't fit. They need to get. They need to let these young kids play. And now, when you had guys like Willier Abreu come up this year. Uh, guys like uh, Sedan, uh, Sedan Rafaela, uh, what Jaron Duran did this year. I mean, there is no doubt that that outfield is going to look different. Um, so I, I don't think I, I think Adam Duvall is is the Red Sox just aren't going to be interested in re-signing him. Uh, Paxton, I don't know that they re- Red Sox re-sign him. I think I would. Because I don't know, I mean, I know he broke down at the end of the year, but this is a guy who hadn't pitched in the last few years. I think I'd bring him back because I'd still be going out looking for pitching. But let's say, you know, look, if you could bring James Paxton back as your number five starter, uh, that's better than a lot of other teams have for a number five. I think I'd consider bringing him back if the money was right. You know, I mean, uh, and, and I'm not sure with the way Paxton, he pitched this year that he's going to command a ton of money on the free agent market. We'll see. But I'd think about bringing him back. Uh, Pete doesn't think so. Pete thinks that uh, the Red Sox need more reliability, re- reliability than that. He may be right, but if it were me, I think I'd look to bring him back. The guy that I'm most concerned about is Justin Turner. They need to bring Justin Turner back. Uh, he's got the. Turner has a $13 million option for next year. Um, look, I think. I hope he wants to come back. He seemed to enjoy himself. The finish to the season aside, but the Red Sox need to keep this guy. He is a great leader. He had so many big hits for this team. And uh, a guy that, you know, look, he can he can still play third when he needs to. You can still put him at first base, and he's your DH. He can swap the DH duties with uh, uh, probably somebody like Masha Yoshida. I think Yoshida is going to see more time at DH next year than he is in left field. I think these young kids are playing. Uh, and I and I don't think the Red Sox are going to bring back Alex Verdugo. Well, I think, I think they're going to try to trade him. He's going to be a free agent going into this year, after this year. But I think the Red Sox trade him. You know, the problem is is that Verdugo didn't have a great end of the season. So I don't know how big his value is. But if you can package him with a prospect or two, maybe that brings you back. Um a pitcher, maybe that gets you an opportunity to trade for somebody like Dylan Cease from Chicago. You know, maybe you can offer the White Sox enough that they would consider it. And the White Sox have been good trading partners with the Red Sox before. They got him Chris Sale, right? Uh, so we'll see. But uh, I think Alex Verdugo has gone, and I think next year, I think that outfield for the Red Sox um, looks something like maybe Abreu and right, Duran in center. Um, and then Yoshida, Rafaela, Rob, Ruff, Snyder in left kind of thing, and you know they 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 flip flop, you know, giving guys a day off so that those guys constantly play, but that's what I think happens next year, uh, and I think the Red Sox have to let Bobby. Dahlbe- they've got a maybe Bobby Dalbeck is one of those guys that the Red Sox could package uh, with an Alex Verdugo to bring a pitcher back. Uh look, he absolutely crushed the ball in AAA this year. He's 28 years old. He needs a chance to play. They got to get him out of here. They can't just keep the kid in in AAA. It's 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 time. And he's arbitration eligible. Uh but I I think it, it they would be doing Bobby Dalbec a favor uh if they let him go. So we'll see. A lot of decisions yet to be made. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. I hope you all enjoy the Major League Baseball playoff games today. I'm sure we'll, some of them will uh, probably end um, at the end of today. I actually think that uh, I actually think that the Minnesota Twins will probably close out uh, the Blue Jays today. So uh, with Sonny Gray going, so we'll talk about all that tomorrow morning. We'll leave you this morning with some music from Why Not Fleetwood Mac. How about the Chain? We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.